0: Welcome nerds. It's time to debrief you on the world of pop culture. Loading up rockabilly track. Now preparing grave digging toolkit. Preparing updates on movies, tv, wrestling and more. ANS 5.0 activates in 3.0. Two, one. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show.
1: Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. Alright, on this week's podcast, we got reviews for the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special and the Adams Family spinoff off series Wednesday.
2: We've also got a review for the menu and we're talking AEW Dynamite. All right. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five star review and DM us a screenshot. Not
1: only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild mannered reporters. We're mere podcasters with opinions.
0: Warning potential spoilers for upcoming films and shows ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned.
1: All right, up first, we got some news from the CCXP uh, con, which I guess is like the Brazilian equivalent of, you know, San Diego Comic Con. Uh, i guess. but we finally got a release date for
2: season three of the mandalorian the official release date for the mandalorian season three will be march 1st 2023 on disney plus and of course we'll be following the events of book of boba where we saw mando and baby yoda officially reunite so this was originally supposed to be coming out around now um, but we heard a while
1: back that it was getting you know pushed back to early spring which unfortunately seems to be the case uh i'm glad that it didn't get pushed like even further back because i was starting to get a little nervous that we hadn't heard anything in a while about season three mm. uh and we know that you know with just effects and everything nowadays it seems like it's been a struggle um you know on the disney side of things so i was like oh my god is this just not happening <laughs> you know to like mid next year um uh, so, I mean, at least we only have a three-month wait, right? Uh, exactly. But, yeah, this can't get here soon enough. Uh, it's been way too long since, you know, Season 2. Uh, I, I know, uh, you know, Book of Boba Fett was pretty much Mando, you know, Season 3. But, I don't know, it, it'll be great to, like, you know, get back, you know, with, you know, Baby Yoda and gang and, you know, see what the hell's going on with Mandalore. Because, I mean... I that trailer looked amazing um just from the little that they gave us mm. i was a little disappointed that we didn't get another trailer along with this announcement cuz you know last time around you know when they had this uh con there were a lot of big trailers that dropped yeah. so i was kind of hoping that you know we would get something from mandalorian obviously that wasn't the case but you know this works also maybe christmas present they'll they'll drop it near that week it's got to be soon if it's only like you know, three months mm-hmm. away. You, you gotta figure, because, I mean, that that trailer was, like, bare minimum what we got last time. So, I, I would guess we'd get more of a story trailer this time out. But, how we haven't even gotten, like, a, a second trailer for The Bad Batch, which is right around the corner. So, I don't know what's going on, you know, with, you know, Star Wars right now.
2: They just don't care. They're just gonna drop it, you know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's their right to do that. I mean, it, ah. it's, it's not
2: like we're not gonna watch, so... Exactly. Well, moving on to the Marvel side of things, we got a huge rumor for the upcoming Armor Wars film. This rumor coming in from the Cosmic Circus is about damage control playing a major part in the upcoming Armor Wars film for the MCU. It's unclear if they will be working with Rhodes or against, but my thinking is that they will be trying to use even more Stark tech than what we have seen them do in the past. We already know that they have access to Stark drones, but perhaps they're going even bigger as the universe expands with more super beings. Top of that, will the scrolls play a part in damage control or be running it since we do know that the film is taking place after Disney Plus's secret invasion show?
1: I don't know about the scrolls side of things, but I could definitely see a scenario where the film is just about Rhodes trying to bring down damage control.
2: Mm-hmm. Like maybe
1: they, you know, have gotten their hands on like Stark armor and now are like, you know, suiting up all their soldiers. Um, You know, and Rhodes is just on a mission to, you know, put a stop to it since we know that damage control feels pretty corrupt at this point. Yeah. Um, I could see, like, Fontaine, you know, being behind damage control. And we haven't even gotten, like, a true explanation of how, like, damage control has, like, risen to, like, this, like, predominant role in the MCU. Like, they've basically, I mean, at least it seems like, taken over for S.H.I.E.L.D., Mm-hmm. um i wouldn't be surprised if like fontaine isn't like behind them somehow um and i mean you could go so many different directions uh you know with this story um i i just i <laughs> but before this like film comes out i hope that they at least give us some kind of background because i don't know like do they feel all that threatening to you at all like they oh, just no. They just feel like these dopes with, like, drones and, you know, some Stark tech that are, like, completely in over their heads. Like, the way that they handled the whole, like, Miss Marvel finale, like, they felt like, you know, the Barney Fife of the MCU. It just, it just felt ridiculous. It was Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, these guys, you know, can't get out of their own way. Um, like, you wouldn't ever see Nick Fury, like, being taken down by a bunch of kids with fucking softballs and shit.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Like, what the hell? So, if they do choose to go that route, and, you know, damage control is, like, the big bad of Armor Wars, I feel like they, they have some, like, legwork to do to make them feel like a significant threat to the rest of the Marvel Universe. Because right now, I don't know, like, Miss Marvel and her friends took them out. uh uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> with, like, a, a fog machine and some strobe lights. So, and, oh,
2: don't, I forgot, a DJ, right? <laughs> Wasn't there, like, a DJ involved or something? I don't know, man. Yeah, they had music playing over the top. I, I don't know. Maybe with Justin Hammer helping them out, they'll be able to create some cool armor with the Star Trek. I don't know. How I'm all
1: for Marvel bringing back Sam Rockwell. Yo, into the fold. I know a lot of people hate on Iron Man 2, but, like, I feel like... Sam Rockwell was, like, the one shining light in that film. (laughs) So, um, if they bring Sam Rockwell back and, you know, have him, you know, being the guy who, you know, finally gets his hands on, you know, Stark armor and is, like, suiting everyone up, Mm -hmm. you know, that'd be a cool take. Um, and, you know, maybe the fact that they've, you know, damage control suffered all these like embarrassing losses is the reason why they want to armor up all their
2: soldiers. Um I, I could make those, you know, dots connect, I guess. Exactly. Um, I feel like it would work very well with um uh, with Fontaine too. Like I feel like those two characters would bounce off each other very Oh well. yeah. That'd be amazing, honestly. Uh.
1: <laughs> you're starting to sell me on this premise (laughs) this premise that we're totally just speculating on Uh, (laughs) it's not even a real thing but i guess like as long as we get an explanation of how they became like the de facto shield i'll be happy um but at this point like just bring back fucking shield and you know they're probably (laughs) operating on some like deep like black ops level Uh that like no one knows like except for like one person in the government um and we know that you know uh, Sam Jackson is out in space, right? Like with sword, apparently. So I don't know. I'm just over over this whole damage control shit. So <laughs> and how we don't even know like how the Sokovia Accords ended. So we never got a full explanation about that. We just know
2: that they have ended. Yes, yes. That was just <laughs> briefly mentioned in Shield. Ah, uh, I'm just going to assume that Secret Invasion will do some legwork here. Yeah. it goes right into that film. It's going to have to, right? Uh (laughs) Yeah, and if it goes
1: anything like the comics go, I don't think we're going to see S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while. I'm guessing that Fontaine, you know, ends up, you know, being in control, you know, a la like Norman Osborn being in control of S.W.O.R.D. And that's how we get the Thunderbolts and everything, since Mm -hmm. we know Thunderbolts is also right around the corner. So, uh, yeah, it might be a while, you know, until we see S.H.I.E.L.D. like, you know, proper again.
2: Yeah, just got to have some patience, Damon. Yeah. Yeah. Take a breath. Uh, just like we're, we're getting you know, there, three
1: or four years, you know, maybe,
2: <laughs> maybe phase seven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, sticking with Marvel, we got some rumored casting news for Daredevil: Born Again. Star of the Many Saints of Newark and Cherry, Michael Gandolfini, is rumored to be getting a role in the upcoming Disney Plus Daredevil: Born Again series. Industry insider Daniel Richman of the Direct claims Michael has been signed in a major role. Of course, no statements from Marvel just yet, but you got to imagine he'd be a good fit for any. Mafia character in the MCU, especially if we're just going to typecast the guy, of course. I mean, listen,
1: he was great in uh, Saints. Um, You know, he's the spinning image of his dad. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I could see him maybe like playing Richard Fisk, um, Wilson's son, who ends up secretly being another crime boss. Uh, Spoilers. He's actually the Rose. Um, So, I, I mean, that's a possibility, but that's just wild <laughs> speculation on my part so and you know typecasting also you know son of a you know mob boss I mean <laughs> you don't get more ty- typecasting than that uh. Uh, but it is what it is <laughs> cause I you know honestly we have no clue who could be played he could be an altar boy at match church for all we know
2: even wilder make him bullseye
1: you know I mean maybe <laughs> I guess that's possible too I could see him even playing Foggy, maybe. Although I feel like there's a huge age difference between him and Matt. Um, you know, they haven't officially brought back uh, the actor from the Netflix series yet, have they? No, yeah. It's just been rumored
2: that Eldon Henson could return. Okay, okay.
1: Um, but yeah, but like I said, it's a wild guess. Uh, but it, it'd be a cool storyline to see, you know, Richard Fisk you know, brought into the fold. I mean, it's just wild speculation on my part. Um, But it is a fun storyline in the comic books, uh, and it's something that the Netflix series never really touched upon, so... Um, It'd be cool to see it play out here. All right,
2: up next, it looks like Disney has announced a long term anime partnership. At the Asia Pacific content showcase in Singapore, Disney announced a new anime focused partnership with one of Japan's largest manga publishing companies, Kodansha. The deal will work kind of like a first look contract that gives Disney the ability to put Kodansha's uh, anime projects on Disney Plus before it goes anywhere else this could include titles ranging from Attack on Titan to Don't Toy With Me Nagatoro. The first actually confirmed project coming will be the second season of Tokyo Revengers following the Christmas Showdown arc that I know plenty of fans have been waiting on. Well, it will launch exclusively to Disney Plus and Disney Plus Hotstar this January worldwide. The key word there for me is worldwide, as this past year we saw Disney Plus experiment with anime on their streaming service exclusively to Japan, which made it harder for those without you know like a VPN to watch shows like summertime rendering so with this news that was kind of my biggest fear you know would suddenly one of the largest producers of anime become exclusive to Japanese audiences I mean if you're a fan of anime you've most likely found a favorite series or two to come from Kodansha so that would be pretty disappointing for their projects to become you know region locked on top of that I do have a hard time imagining series like you know prison school being available on Disney Plus so I'm wondering what content Disney plans on putting on their actual platform. Tokyo Revengers does have some violent moments, but we know that Disney has already braced customers for more you know, adult-like content in the future. On the plus side of it all, Disney Plus is an app that actually fucking works, compared to Sony's Funimation and Crunchyroll apps that break down every few days. So this could be a massive get for Disney as viewers like me are desperate for a better working streaming platform. All right, up next, we've got casting news for season two of Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. The cast of Rings of Power greatly expanded this week, adding on six new stars for its upcoming season two. Coming to the series is Gabriel Aquedike, Yasin Zaitz Atur, uh, Ben Daniels, Amelia Kenworthy, Naya tally and Nicholas Woodson. On top of that, apparently Adar, leader of the orcs, as played by Joseph Molly, will be replaced by Sam Hasseldine, who's been in several shows like The Witcher and Sandman, though it's a shame to see Joseph go. I you know rather enjoyed his performance. I only assume as the story grows larger, more stars will be added over time in this war for Middle-Earth. All
1: right, well, lastly, it looks like renowned horror director Mike Flanagan is making a big move.
2: Mike Flanagan's contract with Netflix is coming to an end and now he's bringing his projects to Amazon Studios according to Deadline. Mike Flanagan, known for his new work on Midnight Mass and The Haunting of Bly Manor, along with Trevor Macy of Intrepid Pictures Company have signed a multi-year contract similar to their previous one with Netflix for exclusivity now at Amazon. The duo still have one more project left to release over at Netflix before moving on with the show called The Fall of the House of Usher based on Edgar Allan Poe's work, which is apparently set to come out this next year. Man, I'm really
1: surprised that Netflix would be willing to let Mike Flanagan go. Um, He's just produced so much great content for them. Uh, You know, films, series. I mean, he's really done it all. And I know the House of Usher uh, series has a lot of buzz around it. So um, I don't know. I mean, this must have been one hell of a deal to get flanagan away from you know netflix but i mean amazon's got tons of money right i mean look yep. how much they spent on the lord of ranks
2: exactly so
1: i'm sure they wrote a fat check to get flanagan exclusively over on their streaming service so and as long as it doesn't get in the way of him continually like pumping out great content it is what it is in the long run right <laughs> exactly Alright, Christian, so today at CCXP, Marvel finally released the trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Let's talk about it. Don't forget. Where are we came from.
0: We have been running. Our whole lives.
1: Pete, I'm done running so i don't know about you christian but i thought this looked fantastic um you know we open up with you know the guardians seemingly landing on earth uh but you know the suburb that they land in apparently has a bunch of humanoid animal people which is a hallmark of high evolutionary which is you know as we see in this trailer is definitely involved in you know what's going on here um whether or not he's, like, the true villain, I guess we'll find out. So this is definitely not a story trailer. This is more of, you know, of the montage variety, if you will. We see multiple different, you know, scenes of the Guardians getting into hijinks. It looks like we're going to be getting Rocket's origin story. At least that's what the trailer hints at. And High Evolutionaries probably involved. You did see the Guardians cosplaying as, you know... Astronauts from Among Us, are they astronauts in that game?
2: Yeah, th- I mean, yeah, they're on spaceships. But that, you know, what I'm talking about, right? They were totally dressed up like the. Oh yeah, it's the exact colors from the cover of the game. It, it was very odd. <laughs> Does Disney own the game or something? No, not that okay, I'm aware. That's of. weird. It's
1: <laughs> a weird like cross promotional thing. I don't know. They, they really stuck out to me though um so who knows maybe maybe one of the characters is a big fan of the game or something like that and that's why they chose you know those suits who knows but uh but yeah uh we see gamora uh we see adam warlock for the first time played by will porter i thought he looked great I mean, throughout this trailer, you know, we see multiple scenes of different characters looking, like, extremely distraught, so we know some heavy shit is about to go down. Um, James Gunn has stated that this is the last time we're going to see this, like, incarnation of the team uh, together. Um, And we know this is going to be James Gunn's last, you know, film, you know, underneath the Marvel umbrella. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some of these characters don't make out of the film alive, unfortunately, which is going to be totally heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I've really grown to love these characters over the last, you know, how many years? Uh, So I don't know if I'm ready for that, Christian. Uh, But uh, we do see a moment of Groot and, you know, Peter standing back to back. Um, like, it looks like they're making a last stand, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, firing away. We, we, see multiple scenes of them fighting, you know, different creatures. Um, like I said, it's, it's a pure montage trailer, so there's not tons to break down, at least, you know, just from watching it once. I'm sure, you know, someone on the internet will, like, take a deep dive <laughs> and do a lot of, like, freeze frames and find some Easter egg. But at this point, you know, that's pretty
2: much everything that I saw. Christian, did you see anything that I missed? I mean, from what I'm watching, and this could just be a wild theory at this point. And the reason I say that is because Rocket is a like full CGI character. So maybe they're just not putting him with the team that often. But I feel like if any character is going to die, it might be Rocket in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just based off of the shots here, because most of it shows just full-grown people. And I know they could put Groot in a suit if they wanted to as well, as part of the people jumping off the ship at that point. But yeah, he seems like the only character that seems to be He's missing. less in this. Yeah, missing the most. Yeah, man, I'm I'm definitely not ready to lose rockets,
1: so... uh uh-huh. <laughs> Damn you for pointing that out, Christian. Uh... <laughs> when's this coming out christian is this may yes it's a uh, may 5th okay so i'm sure in the next like month or so we'll probably get like more of a story-based trailer mm. um i i've said it in the past like i'm not a huge high evolutionary guy so i was kind of disappointed when i heard that he was like the main villain um i'm kind of hoping that you know he's maybe just working for someone uh but it is what it is. I mean, they made ego work, so I'm sure they'll be able to make you know high evolutionary work. Uh, also be interesting because high evolutionary has ties to Wanda's story. So I'm wondering if they're gonna go that route. but they already seem like they have so much going on in this story that I can't foresee that happening. But who knows? I mean, they pulled off crazier things in the past. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, I don't know. It, this looked fantastic. Like I'm super excited for this film. I just have no idea what the story is going to be about.
2: I mean, it definitely has Gunn's name written all over it. It's going to suck this being kind of like one of his last Marvel projects. But the the future's still bright with DC and stuff for him. So we'll see what happens over there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and this,
1: you got to figure this is probably his last Marvel anything for a while yeah. at least. So, um, you know, I'm sure he would be willing to work. You know, with Marvel again, Uh, I just don't know if you know Warner Brothers would be a huge fan (laughs) of (laughs) that. But who knows? Maybe he could like work out some kind of like huge crossover
2: thing. Exactly, he's definitely teased it in the past. He's teasing a lot of things nowadays on Twitter. So, Uh like
1: this past week, we got like a Kingdom Come like uh, tease. So. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's he's all over the place. He's definitely you know working the fans right now, which I love. So, by the way, like you said, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three comes out May fifth. Well, moving on, we also got another trailer coming out of CCXP. Another trailer where I have no clue what the hell's going on in it. Uh, this time, it's for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I don't believe in magic. Uh few times in my life I've seen things things I can't explain
0: and I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe
1: it's how hard you believe it so once again this is definitely a montage trailer uh, yes. It starts off with Indy, you know, reminiscing with his friend whose name completely escapes me right now, uh, you know, from the first Indiana Jones uh, film, and I believe he's in Last Crusade also, uh, you know, just reminiscing about all the adventures that they've, you know, been on, uh, and we're just getting, like, multiple Scenes of different, you know, action sequences. (laughs) You know, them, like, underwater and, you know, them escaping, you know, explosions and shit. Uh, One thing that, like, totally stuck out to me, which I thought was insane, was uh, during the voiceover, Indiana Jones says he doesn't believe in magic? Yeah. (laughs) He he saw fucking Nazis melt, like, in front of
2: him. (laughs) (laughs) What's... Any, anyway, um, he had yeah. his eyes closed. He had his eyes closed during that moment. Right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Their, 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 I their clothes guess. were still there. But, but I'm
1: sure once he opened his eyes, like they're just uh-huh. like puddles of
2: goo surrounding him. So what
1: the fuck did he think happened? Why did he have his eyes closed then if he doesn't believe in magic?
2: Right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Christian. <laughs> Oh, well, and then the worst everything play. that
1: happened in the last crusade.
2: Exactly what I was about to say. Everything with the chalices. like yes. You just watch people die from drinking out of the wrong cup. Uh, <laughs> and then he saw aliens in the last movie, right? Yeah. Okay, whatever. Anyway.
1: We're, we're going to forget that <laughs> one happened. I'm not going to get stuck on one line he said in the trailer, but I totally, uh. I totally got stuck on it. Um, the one thing I can't say is this film looks action packed. I mean,. This whole trailer is just, like, non-stop action sequences. Um, some of them look like they're taking place in the past. So I'm guessing that they're going to get some serious use out of their, like, de-aging, like, technology. Mm. There definitely seem to be, like, a significant amount of scenes that look like it it was taking place in the past. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, maybe th- could this whole film just be, like, a flashback sequence? <laughs>
2: It could, but that conversation at the front made it feel like, is there like a way to change our destiny or maybe time travel? You know, that's that's the vibe I was starting to get. Just by the conversation or just because of all the or both, like maybe the conversation and the conversation and then the fact that we're seeing brand new action sequences from him in the past. Yeah, I mean, I took it as
1: flashbacks, but I mean, the dial of destiny. I mean, I could I could see that leading to Hmm. time travel, I guess. I don't know if I want that, though. Um, we already saw like them, you know, dabbling with aliens totally like blow up in their face. So I just can't imagine like time traveling working out any better. Like, I mean, I think all anyone wants to really see is Indiana Jones punching Nazis. And there there seems to be a significant amount of like Nazi punching in this trailer, uh, <laughs> which I'm, I'm glad to see uh, his goddaughter. Is involved. Apparently, they didn't want to bring Mutt back. Uh, no. <laughs> so,
2: um, how did you feel about the CGI, man? Like, it felt- it's uncanny valley my dude it's weird at points like the the one shot where it's him de-aged looked pretty decent okay. but then like there's moments where like that like on the horse yes and he's in the middle of the street and it's broad daylight where- there's no way to hide that too it look like and it's him older he's on a horse mm-hmm. and he's in
1: traffic and like it looks like Uh, It doesn't look like Harrison Ford at all. It looks like an actor wearing a weird mask. Like the hair color doesn't even match for some reason. Like he almost looks blonde. I don't understand what's happening in that scene. Because then later on, we do see, you know, him again on the horse riding and it looks like Harrison Ford, but that first scene where the horse goes up on it's like hind legs holy shit like like why would you even feature that in like a trailer like you you need to like you need a few more passes on that (laughs) now I'm not like the biggest Indiana Jones like fan of the world Um, but I gotta say like the only like moment that this trailer felt like an Indiana Jones film to me um, and like part of it's because the trailer was just so busy and it was a montage trailer But was that last scene where he's like, you know, whipping at the guys Uh um, and then all of a sudden they pull out all their guns, you know, and he ducks like that was the only moment where like I got that like strong like Indiana Jones vibe, you know, from this trailer. I mean even when we got the first few bars of you know John Williams score in this trailer like it didn't like push those nostalgia buttons for me I don't know maybe it's just like seeing an older Harrison Ford (laughs) at this point running around you know or a bad CGI version (laughs) of Harrison Ford you know riding horseback through a city it just it didn't feel like Indiana Jones to me um and maybe he it's because you know he's not wearing the hat he doesn't have the jacket on um and part of the problem might be that they tried to, like, show us too much all at once. Um, like, I totally forgot Mad Mickelson is, is part of this film. Yeah. And I think he's playing, like, the main villain. I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but, um, yeah. I don't know. This just didn't really do much for me, honestly. I mean, sometimes less is more. Like, if you would just give me a moment with the Indiana Jones with the hat on and the whip and the music player in the background and, you know, just call it a day... That probably would have gone a lot farther than what we got here. Um, because I don't know, like, I know there's gonna be tons of action in this film, but like, because of the way that you know they did this trailer, it just felt like every other action film you know coming out this year. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. How, how did you feel about it, Christian?
2: I mean, the CGI effects being wonky definitely, you know, brought my opinion of it down a lot. But I liked what they were going for with like the, especially the sound design with the whips and everything coming back. How they kind of put those in, that kind of gave me a nostalgic feel for it. But. I don't know. I've seen so many of these movies where it's so many years past when it came out and, and then they start to look maybe a little too polished, too overdone yeah. where I kind of wish it looked more maybe like how films like, um, once upon a time in Hollywood are being shot and stuff with older cameras and stuff, and then maybe laid in some effects. And Cause, that was a huge problem with crystal skull
1: was it felt mm-hmm. too
2: polished almost
1: like everything was too clean. Um, I totally know what you mean. I mean, I'll watch it for the show, but I'm not, you know, hankering to, to go <laughs> oh, see it. you know. Oh, I'm still going to watch it regardless. I, I probably would watch it, you know, if, even if we didn't have the podcast because uh-huh. it's Indiana Jones. Like I was there opening day for Crystal Skull. Um, and oh, I, geez. I think I've watched it a couple of <laughs> times since, even though it was horrible. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I'm here for it. But this just didn't get me any more excited for the film. And I think that's why it was so disappointing. Until the last moment, once again with the whip, like you said, it's all about the fucking whip. Uh, it just didn't feel like Indiana Jones to me. So um, hopefully that's not the case with the actual movie, but I guess we'll have to find out June 30th, uh, 2023. I mean, who are we kidding? Like As long as he's punching Nazis, I'm gonna be happy, right? Exactly. I think that was the biggest problem with Crystal Skull. It was like Russians or something.
2: Yeah, not enough Nazis punch
1: those I fucking agree. nazis goddammit. it
2: <laughs> all right christian well up next uh we watch some stuff that's right up first we got guardians of the galaxy the holiday special
0: warning spoiler alert major spoilers for the guardians of the galaxy holiday special ahead you have been warned
1: i just saw on the calendar that right now on earth it's almost christmas time
2: we don't have time for trivialities like christmas but peter's so sad about gamora being gone
0: Maybe if we go to Earth for a really wonderful Christmas
2: gift, it would make him happy.
1: All right, Christian, so we're not going to do a full breakdown or anything of this because it doesn't really warrant that. It's not that kind of story. Uh, But on a mission to make Christmas unforgettable for Peter, the Guardians head to Earth in search for the perfect present, which happens to be
2: Kevin Bacon. I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like this has changed the Marvel Universe forever. Okay, fine. Uh, (laughs) That
1: might not be the case, but I thought this was plenty adorable, uh, which is no big surprise, uh, you know, coming from James Gunn. Uh, He knows Mm -hmm. how to really, like, tug on, you know, the heartstrings. Uh, And, you know, that's what really makes his character so endearing. Uh, I love, like, getting to spend so much time with Drax and Mantis, and I know, like, I sound like a broken record here, but, like, that's really what's been great about Marvel on Disney Plus is all that extra time we get to spend with these characters. I mean, time that we wouldn't really get otherwise in a film. Because, I mean, this was definitely their story, especially Mantis. Yes. Um, I felt like she was like a breakout character here because she's pretty much been a glorified background, you know, character at this point. Uh, But this really helped to really, like, develop her personality and everything. Um, I thought the twist with, you know, spoilers, uh, her being Peter's uh, sister was great. So I guess Marvel accidentally spoiled that, you know, story point themselves um, a little before, you know, this was released uh, during some other special that they had. On Disney Plus, uh, which featured some deleted scenes from Volume Two, so that information unfortunately got out before the holiday special premiered. But it is what it is. It didn't really affect my enjoyment of it. I really loved Gunn's choice of like animating the flashback scenes. It really gave it that old school Christmas special feel. Although I would have much rather had them go like straight like Rankin Bass claymation. Um, but I get it. That takes a lot of time to do um the kevin bacon of it all was great he was a real trooper um i'm sure he saw this also as a great way to plug his music <laughs> as he you know got to actually play a song at the end of the special speaking of which i thought this was another great soundtrack by gun who's just really a master of picking the right song for the right moment um I mean, I don't know, like, at the end of the day, this really scratched the itch that Love and Thunder didn't for me. You know, allowing us to really, like, spend some quality time with these beloved characters. I have a feeling, like, this is gonna really serve as a nice, kind of, like, carefree prologue for what we know is coming in Guardians Volume 3. Because after seeing that trailer, like i said before it looks like things are gonna get pretty heavy so Mm -hmm. anyway i'm gonna go ahead and give this an a uh it was warm and fluffy like a good christmas special should be uh and i got to visit with some characters
2: that i love there's nothing wrong with that christian no absolutely there's of course nothing wrong with that um this really made me think of like you know what you would find in like the dvd extras of like one of their major films like that's the kind of vibe i got from this it was very simple very you know easy to follow and stuff like that um as you said i don't think we've ever spent this much time with mantis as a character so it's like a lot of her like more extreme mannerisms with how she fights i was not prepared for Uh, (laughs) but it was still a good time either way um yeah, again, it's another good experience from James Gunn. Um, I, I didn't expect too much from this. I wasn't a big fan of Bacon's music, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I, either way, it still played out as a fun little thing. So I'm, I'm going to give it like a, a B plus. Whatever. It was one song, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. The opening song was awesome. I love that. <laughs> well, all right, up next, we have the Adams Family spinoff Wednesday. Warning, spoiler alert minor spoilers for the
0: wednesday series ahead you have been warned nevermore was created as a safe haven for our children to learn and to grow no matter who or what they are should we meet your new roommate are you feeling okay you look a little pale please excuse wednesday she's allergic to color
2: oh wow what happens to you I break out into hives and then the flesh peels off my bones.
1: All right. So up front, I don't feel right grading the series yet because I've only watched about five episodes. So I'm about like halfway through, I think. Uh, but I will say I've enjoyed it so far. Uh, actually, probably more than I expected. Jenna uh, Ortega is just magnificent as Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, she owns this role. Which, listen, I mean, she had some big shoes to fill following Christina Ricci. Uh, But, I don't know, I I like the mystery aspect of the show more than the teen drama and, like, the little love triangle they've got going so far. Not that it's bad by any means, it's just not for me. Um, But, I mean, they're using it to really, like, explore what makes Wednesday tick, which is smart, so I get it. I mean, I like all the world building they're also doing with the Nevermore Academy and all these like different groups of supernatural beings, like trying to like coexist in society. I think there's a lot of like potential for that story. Um, I I will say though, like I'm surprised like by how toned down Tim Burton's style feels. Um, like, art direction-wise, if that makes any sense. I mean, he has some flourishes here and there, but it's just not as, like, over-the-top as I was expecting. I mean, usually within, like, two frames of one of his films, I could tell, like, Tim Burton's the director. But, I mean, that's just not the case here. Um, And I guess that's not true of all of his films. Like, this is the first time he's, like, switched gears visually or, like, restrained himself a little. (laughs) But, like, it just, I think I was expecting more because of the content and it being, like, the Addams Family, which just feels like the perfect marriage. Uh, but, I don't know. Um, I was just really expecting him to, like, lean into it more. And maybe part of it is Wednesday just being out of her element, but at the same time, she's at this, like, gop Hogwarts. So, I don't know. They just haven't really, like, truly, like, captured that kooky Adams Family charm. Uh... I mean, they, I think they got, like, Wednesday down. But, like, I don't know. Maybe it's her being in a solo story. It's just less of a comedy than anything we've seen before, Adam's family-wise. So, like, tone-wise, there's definitely a bit of a shift that I'm having to get used to. I guess I was expecting more scenes like, you know, the Piranha Revenge moment. Or, you know, the Wednesday dance sequence. Uh, which were amazing. But, I mean... Like I said, I'm only halfway through, so maybe I'll be singing a completely different tune at the end. But like I said, so far I've really enjoyed it. I, I mean, I binged five episodes last minute, so it definitely like hooked me, uh, which is usually a good sign because nowadays
2: I have a lot less patience when it comes to series. Uh, but. This never felt like a chore. Now I have finished the show, but to protect Damon and those who may not have actually seen it yet, I of course you know go spoiler free as much as possible. Like Damon, I was a little surprised by how little of Tim Burns' art style has been in this series, but strong performances kept the show entertaining enough for me to let all that pass. Um, I have been a fan of shows like Riverdale and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in the past, so I can get into you know this style of teen drama, but my biggest gripe overall was the pacing and overall relationships formed between the characters. They all kind of felt incredibly rushed to me. Like, it honestly could have used an additional four episodes to really make me believe the character changes we were getting. You know, adversaries were quick to become friends with Wednesday by the series end without much change from Wednesday to provoke their emotional connections with her. There were just so many moments where people forgave one another because they're beef just no longer was needed as a plot device. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed most of the characters and I loved Jenna Ortega as Wednesday along with all the humor in this. You know, There was a lot that made this stand out from other shows similar to it, but the show just missed that next gear in storytelling by not making me care more about what's going on outside the actual mystery of it all. The school itself doesn't really live up to the way that the students and teachers kind of talk about it. They all call themselves outcasts, but the show doesn't dive into how wild a school full of monsters could be, at least not to the degree I expected. A part of me assumes that the school was simply designed in a way to always make Wednesday stand out, but well, there just wasn't much to other students in a way that we have seen in the past, you know, past films and shows with the Adams family, relatives, and their friends. But who knows, it could also have been a budgetary thing. Um, they didn't want to have CGI monsters and, you know, wild abilities on display at all times, especially in their first season. I just really was surprised by how muted this school felt when it's supposed to be this big school for outcasts. The mystery of the show, though, was fun. I enjoyed watching Wednesday's struggle with solving this case. On top of that, Wednesday's ability to have visions also wasn't overused or too much of a storyline crutch, so I was happy with that. What we did get of CGI monsters was fine for me, but i do hope you know future seasons get more budget after how widely successful this season has been i think there is a ton of potential to make a bigger badder season 2 cuz overall season 1 laid out a strong foundation for this spin-off franchise so for my grade i will be giving wednesday a solid b with hopes to see more you know i did still really enjoy this entire show i binged it in two days and i highly suggest anyone interested in kind of you know macabre humor or has enjoyed Am's family before definitely give this series a try and now a quick word from our sponsor manscaped hey you got bush
1: well you definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today manscaped taking control of your bush is important these products are so good you're going to be showing pride in your new bush free yard It's a fact that you'll have the best kept nut sack on the cul-de-sac, so save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code 20NerdShow for 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com.
2: Listeners, you know I don't got bush because Manscaped helps keep my rocket raccoon high and tight. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game.
1: Listeners, the grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. That's because inside the package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a Bush's worst nightmare. This trimmer is designed to reduce grooming accidents and shave hair on loose skin thanks to its ceramic blades and advanced skin-safe technology.
2: No need for night vision goggles, this trimmer has a LED light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. It's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the tree stands taller. The second best tool in the performance package is the Weed Whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. Instantly add some pep to your step with a Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop
1: Reviver Spray-On Testy Toner. With a performance package purchase, you get two free gifts, a shed travel bag and the patterned high performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website to help you maximize your confidence
2: and grooming gain. So listeners, get 20% off plus free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. Kate Bush may be trending at the moment, but your bush needs some help. That's right, so make sure you're running up that hill and get 20% off and
1: free shipping at Manscaped.com by using our code 20NerdShow. It's time to level up your grooming game with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped.
0: And now, an amazing nerd show film review of the menu. Warning spoiler alert. Minor spoilers ahead. You have been warned.
1: And now,
0: our feature presentation. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are, family. Yes,
1: we harvest, we ferment, we gel. We gel. We gel. We gel.
2: He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be.
0: You won't know till the end. Who are you?
1: I
2: am Margo. Why do you care?
0: I have to know if you're with us or with them.
2: A young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. This was directed by Mark Millard and stars Ralph Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. Millard, who is best known for his work directing on hit series like Succession and Game of Thrones, along with like Shameless, served up a film that brought horror to the foodie world in a way I wasn't prepared for. While this film isn't necessarily scary, its murderous meal may be one of the most enjoyable films I've seen all year. Ralph Fiennes as head chef Slawik puts on a performance that left me personally smiling and laughing for the entirety of its runtime while watching the film at first I thought I was gonna have some gripes with you know character relationships and such but there was a mystery that was going on with Anya Taylor-Joy's character Margot that really ended up explaining away a lot of the contention I had with first meeting these characters all the tension that was in that room ended up making sense and was well written into the plot. I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, it all worked a little too well. And on top of that, it presented itself like a high class cooking show experience you'd find on TV or like Netflix. You know, presenting each course and meal to go along with its narrative. The cinematography was, you know, something I really expect from an A24 film in general. So, High praises there. Uh, my only main complaint for the film was honestly its short runtime, as I wanted to see more and I felt the film left me expecting much worse for our victims of this dinner. But like a well curated menu, the film doesn't overindulge in its violence, but allows you to absorb just enough of the madness of Chef Slawick to satisfy your appetite for destruction. All right. I've done throwing in as many puns as I can. My grade for the menu is an A, and I'm now looking forward to more of Mark Malad's work after seeing this one. Highly recommend you go check this out while it's still in theaters. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. Alright, this week marks the launch of one of my most anticipated games, Callisto Protocol. However, its launch this Friday hasn't gone quite as planned for Striking Distance Studios, as PC players are noticing quite a large amount of stuttering, even on higher end rigs. It's even gotten the new nickname, um, the Stuttering Protocol. This all led to a mostly negative rating right now on Steam. Um, No word from the developers yet if a patch is in the works to help boost performance on PC. But it's good to know that if you were planning on picking this up on Steam like I was, um, perhaps wait a minute for some visual update patches. I'm thinking of just picking it up for uh, like PS5 because I want to be able to stream it um, pretty soon for you guys on Twitch. But stay tuned to our Twitch for when that actually happens. Speaking of streaming this week, we're doing a bonus stream for the Game Awards on Thursday. Several studios have already announced that they will be showing off their games at this year's event like Tekken 8. There's also been rumors of like Diablo 4 and some other games to be displayed as well. So, I mean, it's Per usual, a ton of world premieres and stuff like that will happen at the event, so I definitely want to be there with you guys to check it all out. It's always a great time to celebrate games, and we will strap in live at 6 p.m. Central Time on the 8th. Uh, Personally, I do hope to hear or see something from Jedi Survivor or Spider-Man 2, as Insomniac months ago claimed more was coming soon, so maybe we will get a glimpse, who knows? Either way, I hope to catch you guys in chat as we stream on Twitch. You can catch us live every weekend from Saturday to Tuesday. Right now, we're working through God of War Ragnarok. As mentioned before, we're going to be starting up Callisto Protocol. High on Life will be out um, the following week on the 12th, I believe which is a part of game pass Um, we should also be starting horizon forbidden west this month so make sure to follow us today for all these games and more on the amazing nerd shows twitch channel now let's move on to wrestling He has four titanium discs in his neck and a, and a brain bleed as well This is it's funny You said I had much to learn and yet you're the one who made a deal with the devil So allow me to leave you with the same words you left me seven long years ago will the game has changed MJF exclusively hires top talents or top world-class athletes when you're one of them Send me your stuff You're sincerely the world champion Maxwell Jacob Friedman
1: All right, Christian, we don't got a lot of time this week, but let's go ahead and burn through this dynamite card.
2: Well, we start off this week with Moxley showing up into the ring saying that no one's got the balls to be him, you know? (laughs) And that's what
1: brought out the returning Adam Hangman page, uh, which was a surprise I didn't see coming. Uh, He beelined straight to the ring, got in Moxley's face. Uh, Moxley basically said, "Uh, are you sure about this? You remember what happened last time? Or maybe you don't. Which obviously pissed off Hangman. And they came to blows. Uh, It was a huge brawl with tons of security guards involved. Um, Moxley almost killed himself on the ramp at one point. Yes, (laughs) 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 Which, you know what? I'm cool with because it made it look like a real fucking fight, because, I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, like, on, like, you know, those reels, you've seen all those real fight videos and shit that, you know, pop up, or maybe that's just my reels, Uh, but (laughs) there are people falling all over the fucking place in those Ah. things, so, I mean, it looked like a legitimate fight, I mean, he got back up right away and everything, Uh, but yeah, no, I thought this was awesome, I'm so happy that Hangman's back, I think it's he's going to add so much to the show now if we could only get an cole back i mean we'd be golden right um tony would be sitting pretty uh but i mean do you think that this is going to end up being a match you know between like you know page and moxley at like winter's coming or do you think this is going to be a pay-per-view
2: I think this is just for winners coming for right now, like i I felt like the whole moment was to just you know derail Moxley from you know going after m j f yeah. you know having him a good exit from that you know current program no
1: absolutely and I mean if you think about it what is it's revolution next, and that's not for like three months that's like march right exactly so um also this serves as a good excuse to get Moxley out of the building, right. You know, especially Hmm. after his threat to Regal last week, Um, you know, because later on, you know, during the show, we see Moxley and Hangman brawling backstage and they have to be escorted out. Um, So I don't know. It it just worked out perfectly. And I'm glad that they're finally
2: going to get to have this match. Um, it should be a barn burner. Speaking of barn burners, we had Brian Danielson defeating Dax Hardwood in their first ever singles match.
1: Like if this match doesn't get you to love wrestling, then you're just never going <laughs> to love wrestling. This match had everything that I want as a wrestling fan. It was mm. hard-hitting, it was technically sound. I mean, they were beating the shit out of each other. Lots of great transitions, lots of great reverses. I mean, I don't know, man. This was wrestling one oh one um you know with like two wrestlers who I feel like are both in like the conversation for you know wrestler of the year yes. um so i I kind of like that they just announced you know this match without any like storyline whatsoever. Um, I know some people were bitching about the fact that there wasn't like a story reason for this match happening. Which is, like, you know, in sports, teams just play each other without, like, storylines. So, I don't know. Like, if I'm supposed to believe that this is a fucking sport, then that's okay. That's gonna happen. Um, But, yeah, no. This was a hell of a match. I mean, Brian's fucking chest afterwards was really, like, the story of the match. I mean, it looked like hamburger meat um just I, I don't know this was just great
2: stuff people just want a reason to complain i it's it's wild they're both warriors they love to fight they're both known for that type of character why wouldn't they be in the ring together and i don't i don't need some contrived like reason for these guys to uh. wrestle
1: i mean that's not the wrestling i grew up on like not every match needs a fucking storyline Like, if we're supposed to believe this is a sports league, then people should be facing each other every week without a reason. So Mm -hmm. you don't need a personal gripe to have a match, you know, um, at least in my book. But it is your reason is to rise up through the ranks. Exactly. That's That's it. That's it. So but anyway, whatever.
2: Uh, After that, we had a backstage segment with Ricky Starks and Tony Schiavone. Um, Starks has Entered himself in the uh, the diamond battle royal for that uh, that ring that MJF seems to always win each year. Um, he says it, 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 he's going to go after everything MJF has. That's kind of his excuse. Apparently, when you win this uh, battle royal, you'll have an opportunity to go up against MJF for the ring, but not the title. So I guess you'd get two separate matches uh, if Ricky Sarks were to win. So okay. <laughs>
1: what (laughs) first of all i thought this promo was a little shaky which is weird coming from Uh starks right um and I, i feel like his promo last week was also a little shaky so i don't know if he's having some like confidence issues or you know the baby face thing isn't just like clicking yet for him but i don't know it was very un starks like um but you know regardless this feels convoluted at best Um, Yeah. So, like, he wants to get the ring from MJF to take something away from him, to
2: hurt him before their match at Winter's Coming,
1: is what I got from it. I
2: guess. But they don't say when. Like, you can have that other match at any time, I guess. But MJF has to defend his ring? Yes.
1: No, I thought you used to get a title shot when you got the
2: ring. Am I wrong um, about yeah, that? Apparently, you, yeah, you used to be able to get a title shot, but I guess but, since he already has a title shot, that was their kind of way of working yeah, around. Yeah, I hate all this. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> this feels like a missed
1: opportunity just to have, like, a different challenger go up against, you know, MJF. Because I can't... I can't foresee Starks losing this match, mm-hmm. you know, right before Winter's coming, and he's, like, set to challenge MJF. So this doesn't make any sense and the announcers didn't really do anything to really explain what all this meant yeah because wait i know i know i'm jumping the gun here but like did ethan page come out and talk about like entering himself into the battle royal to challenge mjf for the title
2: Yeah, he comes out later with Stokely and says that he will beat pretty much whoever wins between Starks and MJF. So that kind of sounds like he would have a title match. Yeah, because he's going to have Matt
1: Hardy help him win the Battle Royal. Yeah. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) They need to like hop on to Twitter or whatever and explain this before Dynamite. Like, the rules of this and exactly what this means for the winner. Because, right, like, isn't this the battle royal where it gets down to two people and then they have to face off against each other?
2: I'm not sure. They have so many stupid yeah, <laughs> little stipulations like this. I why even have this match right now? D- does this always happen in December I or something? I think so. I think it's a timing issue. But,
1: I, I you know, since... MJF has the title like why not just do Mm -hmm. something where he has to be stripped of the ring or something like that you know or like he threw away the ring like why not do something like in his promo saying that I don't need this ring anymore since I'm champion and then you don't have this weirdness happening around this match Um, no that would make sense so I don't I don't get it unless they're just using this to set up another contender to go up against MJF, but from how this like match functioned in years prior, that doesn't make sense. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. They they no. need to cl- clarify this
2: definitely. <laughs> well, with how much confusion there is, it just makes me think. Okay, Starks is going to win this because that's why they have to have so many extra rules. But that means Starks gets two matches against MJF. I guess. Or like just to extend the feud. Does I don't his know? match
1: at Winter's Coming also uh, like become like for the Diamond Ring? Also like whatever. I anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a headache. Let's move on.
2: Later on, we had an interview with Renee. Um, we have Daniel Garcia, Jake Hager, Matt Hardy, Matt Menard, and Jeff Parker talking to Claudio and Wheeler. Um, Claudio and Wheeler are pretty much you know wanting to challenge for their different titles, Ring of Honor titles going on in the JAS. It was kind of weird. Yeah, so
1: I guess this is all to really just kind of set up the matches for um the final battle pay-per-view, which is in mm-hmm. two weeks, I believe. Um I don't know, man. That you know, with the amount of time that Tony's been investing in like pushing Ring of Honor like down our throats. This felt like just an afterthought (laughs) to me. Um, I hate that Claudio is getting uh, another shot at uh, Jericho's belt. Um, It just feels so forced. And the fact that they put this like step on it that, you know, if he loses, he's going to have to join JAS. Because, man, like one, I don't want to see this match again. Two... He's probably going to fucking lose, so we're going to have Claudio and uh-huh. J.A.S. And I don't know, man. Like, I trust Jericho, but it, 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 I'm assuming he's got something great up his sleeve. But it, I don't know. On paper, it's not something I want to see. You know, I
2: want to become a bucket hat boy.
1: Yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm guessing is going to happen, right? Like, especially after this back and forth uh, with uh-huh. with Swagger. Like, I, I, I'm i guessing that he's going to end up tagging up again with him and I could totally see him being forced to wear the fucking hat. I did like the <laughs> line about, uh, you know, him yodeling, uh, since that was part of his gimmick when he first arrived in uh-huh. WWE. Um, I also, I like, I don't want to see uh Wheeler against Garcia again at that pay-per-view. Cause we, we saw that last time. So it just feels like rematches for rematches sake. And I don't know, man, like I was just expecting a bigger thing, like bigger things out of this pay-per-view. Um, Mm -hmm. but this almost feels like Khan is trying to like tread water you know before his TV deal because I don't know like before it really felt like we were on the road to getting like some kind of big announcement you know for like a TV deal for you know Ring of Honor but the way that it feels lately like the last two weeks it almost feels like they're de-emphasizing you know ROH on AEW TV Mm. so I'm wondering if that's further away than we initially thought um
2: i don't know man like like do you think like there's a chance that claudio could possibly win oh no not at all right Jericho's holding on to that title until they get a a contract somewhere and then we're stuck with a stipulation that no one wants to fucking see
1: (laughs) and it's just more fucking blackpool combat club against
2: fucking jes which Mm -hmm. i'm just done with at (laughs) this point it's, there's got to be someone else that has worked with Ring of Honor to uh, uh, like have him feud with. Also, like this
1: segment was so weird. Like it was edited really strangely. I don't know if they mm-hmm. had to do a bunch of takes. Um, I felt like it was mic'd poorly. Like production was just all over the place on this episode. You know, and I, after three years, like there's no excuse. Like I, I'll give you like growing pains the first year, year and a half. But, like, three years in, like, you can't get your fucking sound down. And, like, there was so many missed shots
2: camera-wise,
1: you know, Uh. during the matches. I don't know, man. It was really frustrating (laughs) me this week. So, but anyway, let's move on.
2: Uh, Speaking of Ring of Honor, we had the King of Television, Samoa Joe, defending his TNT title against AR Fox, who was newly signed to AEW. This
1: was Joe being Joe. Um, you know, at the same time, like getting, you know, Fox over, um, you know, that walk away spot that Joe does. I love it so fucking much, uh-huh. but it was a really nice touch to have like Ar land on his feet at the same time where you get the shot of him in the background. Um, I thought that was really well done. I think this match like works really like twofold where like Fox got to shine, but then Joe also got to remind people why he's such a badass. Um, but I do feel like, especially after the promo afterwards, they're really playing with fire here, because the crowd just loves Joe, and mm-hmm. like if you're really trying to like recapture that like groundswell that Wardlow had going for him, like you know before that MGF match uh, over the summer. <laughs> I feel like Joe's just the wrong opponent to put him up against um and I'm just over the whole fucking Wardlow's world you know uh, like that like I mean he's in one breath he's putting down uh the whole uh Ward Joe tag team name but at the same time like he's using his stupid fucking corny ass line that no uh-huh. one no one likes <laughs> and it's just not getting over um I don't know man how did you feel about this?
2: What was the crowd reaction afterwards real, or was that something that they put in to Wardlow? You're talking about, yes. Uh, I don't know, it's hard to
1: tell sometimes. They definitely do use canned, mm-hmm. you know, uh, audience noise at times. So, Because
2: um. I didn't think about that till now, but I was like, at the time, I was like, oh, well, at least the crowd is chanting Wardlow. After all I this and think, getting to survive, I do Joe. think that was legit, but it was a little like tepid. Like I
1: don't know, mm. it was like maybe a quarter of the crowd chanting for him. Where like before, when he was working that storyline with MJF, you had the entire arena chanting for Wardlow. Yeah, um, now it's definitely more of a mix, and I think that's because he's going up against someone like Joe, who everyone exactly. wants to just love.
2: I just don't know if there's anything Joe can do to really make himself the heel in this program, you know? Yeah. So the genuine heel. I like. For him.
1: I love him saying he's the king of TV. I think that's fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's just such a great heel. It's such a great talker. So I mean, Warlow has his work like cut out for him. Now, I'm. I, did they announce when this match was taking place?
2: Um, I don't believe so. All right, cause, and like to, is yeah.
1: and this is for the TNT title, like right? Like that's all mm-hmm. Wardlows interested in. So I'm wondering who Joe's opponent's going to be at uh the final battle.
2: you think you would want to put like I don't know, someone like Powerhouse Hobbs who also got screwed over in that match for the other title. But
1: like from what we got with the vignette, you know, the past 2 weeks, it seems like Hobbs has completely been like detached from this storyline now. Yes. Um you know,
2: and almost like those vignettes are great, but don't they feel like babyface vignettes to you? I feel like he's trying to come off like brooding, but I—they're I, I, I they're not doing much for if me. If they go into his backstory,
1: there's no way like he's not going to end mm. up being a babyface. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing right now.
2: Um After this, we had this random. I don't know if they've been doing this. I I didn't catch this before, but they showed highlights of Hook defending. Uh, The title, the FTW title. Oh, you're
1: talking about, like, the Taz breakdowns? Yeah. Yeah, They have been doing those. (laughs) Okay. um, Not just with Hook. Uh, This felt very random, though, because it was, like, from a Rampage match that took place last week. I like these where, like, Taz really, like, breaks down, like, you know, different wrestling sequences and why, you know, they worked the way they worked. Um, But if you're going to do it, like, be consistent about it. Because it did feel weird that all of a sudden, like, you know, he's doing one about his son that took Uh place last week and not like, you know, after a match we just watched. So, um, you know, I'm cool if you want to do this, but this just felt like an excuse to, you know, get Hook on the
2: screen. I mean, if you do this as a weekly segment to highlight something that happened on Rampage, I think that's a good idea. You know, I don't know. Like, I would much rather
1: have just the highlight reel of rampage since you know only half of your audience is watching that show right now Uh um you know and do that for dark and elevation also you know give us just fucking 30 seconds um that's all i'm asking for uh but like i would much rather have you know taz breaking shit down like right after the match took place um so it feels more relevant
2: or at least in the next hour, so the editor has a, a moment to put in all yes, those fun effects. That
1: that's true. <laughs> hey, man, they do it in the NFL. I mean, oh, all the fucking time, so...
2: Alright, well, up next we had the biggest segment of the night. We had AEW's world champion speaking for the first time. MJF brought out a brand new title to throwing out the old one. Uh, this one with a brand new Burberry strap. But that's also
1: not the biggest development that we got out of this, you know, segment. Uh, We saw MJF actually turn on Regal, um, which I didn't see coming. Um, There was a lot of questions around, you know, Regal's status with AEW, especially Mm. after last week. Uh, We had Moxley getting in his face, and we didn't talk about this because we didn't cover AEW last week, right? We just did the paper. No, yeah. Uh, That's right, because we recorded on Tuesday. Uh, We had Moxley getting in Regal's face and basically, you know, gave him a pass but told him he didn't want to see him anymore in the company um you know so a lot of people were kind of wondering if that was their way of writing off regal uh since there were a lot of rumors that he might be headed back to wwe now it would be strange that his contract was only like six months long um but maybe that's the case or maybe like tony decided to release him early um as a favor i have no clue Um, because originally, I I think we heard that Regal signed a three-year deal. At least that's what he said. Hmm. Um, at least that's what was reported. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case because a lot of people who are in the know are saying that it looks like Regal's headed back. Um, so, but anyway, back to the segment. Uh, (laughs) I thought this was kind of a mixed bag. I don't know how you felt about it. Um, I thought it went on for like maybe five minutes too long. Um, I feel like MJF was really focusing on trying to get a heel reaction from the crowd, and he was just, like, digging deep in, you know, his trick bag, you know, to get that reaction that he wanted. Um, But it wasn't really working, unfortunately. Um, And I, I feel like, I don't know, man. I know he wants to be heel, but, like, this this audience, man, they really want to cheer him, and I think it's becoming more and more difficult for him Mm. to stay heel. And maybe that's part of the reason why he went so fucking long. I have no clue. Like, this really felt like a Triple H-like segment from, like, the late 90s when he first turned fucking heel Or hell, the early 2000s where he'd like literally open up every fucking Raw and then talk for like 25 minutes. Um, It just went on, for me at least, way too long. I mean, he did stick the landing at the end, um, you know, turning on Regal, um, you know, making it the story go full circle, you know, bringing up the email, like, you know, basically, you know, saying the email to Regal verbatim. Um, I thought that was a nice touch, but at the same time, like Regal felt like almost like a prop in the ring. Like we got no reaction or no explanation, uh, from Regal on why he did what he did. Um, you Mm. know, turning on, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, I know MJF kind of gave an explanation, but it wasn't even really an explanation. It was just more of, you know, what happened, You know, Regal apparently emailed him after he took a beating from the firm and said that he looked weak and that, you know, if he wanted to grab a ring, grab the brass ring. I'm, you know, paraphrasing, but there was no real reason, you know, in that story for Regal choosing to do what he did, because, I mean, if it was just about managing the champion, he was already doing that. (laughs) So, like, I was expecting, and it felt like story-wise, where they're headed was, you know, the fact that Moxley was his last match, and it was Moxley hmm. who, like, took Regal out to pasture. It was yeah. It's a story point that they brought up multiple times over the last couple months. So I was really expecting to get, like, I don't know, just something brief from Regal on the mic where he would explain, like, this was all you know his plot of revenge against moxley um and we didn't get that so and i I, i'm guessing that tony must have been kind of handcuffed here and he was dealt a pretty shitty hand with like regal leaving you know timing wise but at the same time like if you knew regal was leaving why even give him this much focus Right? Like, you know, Mm, why have it be such a big part of your main event storyline? And maybe it's a case of them, you know, being at the tail end of it and them having to, you know, make a course correction of some sort, you know, knowing that Rico's leaving. Um, Because it just feels so convoluted. (laughs) Because also during this whole promo, it also felt like Max was kind of hinting at like maybe he is still involved with the firm did you get that
2: yeah i mean he was talking about how he admires them and stuff for what they chose to do tried to pretty much sound like he'd still work with them in some form or fashion and listen
1: once again tony's been dealt a really fucking shitty Mm. hand i don't want to make excuses for him but I'm sure he had the storyline all planned out before what happened at All Out happened, you know, with the press conference. So, and we've even heard, you know, Stokely talk about like, you know, how CM Punk was supposed to be involved with the firm and everything like that in a recent interview on uh, Renee's podcast. So, you know, Tony's definitely had to like reshuffle the deck here, um, but it just it just feels so messy storyline. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and i feel like your audience is almost kind of confused um like on who the heel is and who the babyface is which i get it like you can have tweeners and everything like that but i feel like that confusion is almost i don't know turning people off in a way where they just don't know how to react and you're kind of getting like no reaction at times because like there was points during this promo where the crowd just kind of felt dead um I mean, they, like, popped, you know, when they were supposed to, you know, with the big, you know, twist at the end. But, like, once again, it wasn't a heel reaction that MJF got.
2: Mm -hmm. You know,
1: they initially booed a little, but then once MJF started reciting that email back to Regal, they all started to cheer him. So, I don't know. Like, I mean... MGF's execution is flawless and he's amazing on the mic. I just wish this was, I don't know, more streamlined storytelling. <laughs> because like I'm just left scratching my head after some of these segments. It's like, where are they going with all this? Um, but once again, Tony's hands are tied, so I get mm. it.
2: Are you do you fear that he might end up in a you know similar position as like uh Brett Baker? Where no matter what he does, he's going to get cheered um, to the point where like his promos are now starting to push the fans towards cheering him too much, too often as well. Because that's what happens to her a lot. She does the same promo and it gets the same reaction.
1: I think the difference is I think MJF is trying to course correct that, you know, like and that's why he was cutting the promo that he was cutting. Um, You know, that's why he was you know bringing up wwe again and he even said i i hope wwe wins the bidding war yes <laughs> which i don't think he's ever actually said before in a promo where he's just talking about you know he's going to the best you know the highest bidder but now he's actually mm-hmm. saying no i want nick Khan to win i think that was all to get that you know that heel reaction from the crowd but it still doesn't feel like it's working um so it, it's hard because it's you know he's kind of going against the grain. Um, Mm. There's times where the crowd just turns you and it is what it is. Um, It might not be in the cards, but you know, it's not what you wanted in the cards, but sometimes you have to just go with the flow Um, because you don't want to also miss, you know, a huge opportunity for yourself because I felt like he was on like the edge of becoming this, you know, white hot baby face. Um, and he really was at a point, you know, whether he liked it or not. Uh, um, so I don't know. I don't know. And that's something like that I feel like right now AEW doesn't have is that like huge baby face. Um, cause just because like we've been overexposed to Moxley and you know, the Bucks and Kenny have been out of the picture for so long. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's kind of a mess. So hopefully they can right the ship. Um, you know, once they kind of like tied up all these loose ends story-wise. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Also, I hate I, mean, I, I do- hate the belt, by the way. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> and part of it's just me being a Mark, and I hate when they change anything about the belt. And especially AEW's belt. It's, it's just an awesome belt. So, and I almost like felt like they, they went too subtle with it, where they, they if they're going to do something, then go big. Like, I would have Mm. loved to see him, like, customize it to make it look like the WWE's, like, universal title. (laughs) I mean, you want to talk about fucking heat. Like, put a red strap on that bad boy and, like, a big A or something like that. Oh, my Uh God. (laughs) So, but yeah, now, now, don't fuck with the titles.
2: I didn't have, like, I didn't have as big of an issue with the title. I was going to. You know, panic if they got rid of the entire design, though, because I really do love that belt design. Yes, yes. Uh, I do think that the Burberry part of it should stand out more. Yeah. It's just it's so faded on there that I can't. It's hard to tell, especially with uh, that many lights on that camera. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I agree a hundred percent,
1: a hundred percent. Um, but what did you think of the promo overall?
2: You know, I didn't have some like a huge problem with it, but I I agree. Like it went on for so long, and he kept kind of juking the crowd back and forth into either cheering or booing for him i i mean i got what he was trying to do he's trying to turn every positive thing that he said over the past you know, few months into a negative and you know get the crowd to understand he is the heel in all of this but you know they had a guy with so much charisma so much you know value on the mic standing right behind him that could have you know at least kind of put more heat on mjf like it could have been a situation where like oh he brought up you know the combat club i get offended a little bit then he you know still pulls the trigger in the end and that might have it looks like too
1: like regal was starting to get offended when he brought up uh brian's name yeah um and i don't i don't know like throughout the entire thing too like i felt like regal just didn't want to be there and i don't know if i was just like reading into his reaction but he's just like kind of standing there you know um and i was expecting a little more like swagger like you know Mm -hmm. i don't know just more of like a smirk on his face like i fooled all of you because that's the regal that we've seen in the past Mm -hmm. um but that's not the regal we got here It, it just i don't know the whole segment just felt out of sorts Uh, I mean, they got a great reaction with him, you know, attacking Regal and everything like that. And it definitely is setting up a match between, you know, Brian and, you know, MJF down the line. Um, I could definitely see that being like the main event for Revolution. Uh, But I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't do it for me, I guess. Like, I've never been bored during MJF promo before. Mm -hmm. They usually always have me on the edge of my seat and I'm like listening attentively. But, like, I, you know, was on my phone halfway through this promo. I will gotcha. <laughs> so This one actually
2: bored you. Yeah, right?
1: like, I was kind of like, okay, I, I get it. Because I just felt like he was working so hard trying to get the mm-hmm. crowd to boo. That, like, you could kind of, like, it was just transparent. Like, too transparent, almost. I was like, get to the fucking point, man. <laughs> Like, it felt like it threw him off, almost.
2: Um, after this, we had the moment we spoke about earlier with Ethan Page and Stokely coming out. Uh, for some reason, Matt Hardy is still involved with all this bullshit. He <sighs> uh, interrupted Stokely um, as they were coming down to the ring. Uh, this was all right before Ricky Starks defeated Ari Divari in the ring.
1: Yeah, which was a quick match. Um, but yeah, mm. it, it just kind of was used to kind of facilitate this moment between Page, you know, and Starks. Um, yeah, when it comes to the whole Matt Hardy situation, not only do they have, the firm has Matt Hardy's contract, but they also have private parties contracts, <laughs> so I don't okay. know, I don't know what the hell's going on, <laughs> I'm, I'm just over that whole storyline also, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, moving on, because we already
2: discussed this, uh, backstage we had Tony Schiavone, um, with the AEW world champion, Jamie Hayter, uh, along with Britt Baker, of course, and Rebel, uh, talking about how they're going to do an interview with Tony instead of Renee once again um it, this this moment for me felt like it was still too centered around Brit mm-hmm. um like even like she's like you're going to interview with me rather than Uh, And I didn't see any animosity from Jamie Hayter, you know, having the attention taken away from her either in the moment.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if that's going to come during the sit down interview, which I think is taking place next week. Um, I'm wondering if Brit will start like hogging the mic too much and Jamie will start getting annoyed. I think they're starting to kind of plant those seeds, you know, not only with this segment, but with last week's segment. Also, I felt like it was the same thing where Britt was kind of you know, hogging the spotlight a little too much, uh-huh. and I think Jamie's gonna eventually have to, like, you know, tell her to, you know, step back a little. Um, So, I, I think it's coming. I think it's coming.
2: Uh, after that, we had Willow Nightingale defeating Anna Jay. This was an okay match, you know? I, I still like seeing Willow come out each week as, as much as they can get her out there to kind of push her up, but who knows? I mean, she's a fucking star. I will say mm-hmm. that, and I... I like
1: that she's being featured a lot on TV, because um, I think they really have something with her, and she always gets a crowd reaction. Yes. Um, you know, I, I just hope that they find a good storyline for her, you know, where it's just not all matches for matches sake. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, which I've said, which I said earlier, but at the same time, like, give her an actual storyline. And maybe this was the start of that, you know, with what happened after, you know, the match.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, Ruby Soho's music dropped and apparently she has returned to attack Ty Mellow. Uh, they fought out a little bit onto the ramp and then uh, we, you closed out the segment.
1: Yeah. She ended up hitting uh tie with the crossroads, uh, which I don't know mm-hmm. what she calls her version of the move. Um, but yeah, no, I was glad that Ruby returned. it uh, it's been, what, like three months. Yeah. She hit Ty with her version of the crossroads on the ramp, um, you know, getting revenge for the injury she suffered uh, during all out, uh, which was the last time we saw her, which was three months ago. Uh, she ended up having to have uh reconstructive surgery. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just glad she's back. Uh, you know, I, I, I could totally see like a scenario where we have like Ruby and Willow team up against Ty and Anna, Um, But I hope that's like a one week deal because I want Ruby to move on to, you know, you know, bigger things so Uh um but yeah hopefully that push is coming
2: all right after this we had a video package of the house of black and their attack um from what happened everything with like qt marshall and uh orange cassidy's group of group of friends yeah
1: from last week um yeah it was the Mm. return on camera um yeah but we didn't get anything else from them this week and uh i haven't looked at the results for rampage yet so i don't know if they popped up there uh so I was a little disappointed uh that they didn't show up, but I, I guess they're probably just kinda of treading water until like things work themselves out, uh, you mm-hmm. know, when it comes to like the trios division.
2: Perhaps they'll get involved with this lumberjack match that was proposed by QT Marshall for Cassidy um and the All Atlantic title. Man, Tony Khan just does not give a shit about Rampage. The fact that you're putting <laughs> fucking
1: QT Marshall in a, a title match on that show is, like, the main attraction, come on. Like, don't fucking bullshit us and tell us that, oh, you're going to start investing in Rampage more, and, you know, it's not a B, you know, show. It's, it's a fucking C show. That's <laughs> what it is. I mean, if you've got QT Marshall, you
2: know, in your main
1: event, it's a fucking C show. There's no reason why that dude needs to be getting a title shot. I mean, I like the whole deal with Orange Cassidy just casually accepting any challenger for the belt. But <laughs> QT, like, you really think that's going to get people to watch your show? Now, I'm saying that and I'm totally going to watch a show, but I mean, come on. <laughs> There's so many other great matches you can make for Rampage and so many other wrestlers who are sitting back and catering, not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like, QT does not need to be taking someone else's spot.
2: After this, we had a championship celebration for Jade Cargill, who came out to pretty much say that she's the big, biggest and best in the ring, and then uh, went back to her, you know, insults with Lil Bow Wow online, uh, calling him a joke once more. And Lil Bow Wow left her a message this time around.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't care about any of this. You know, I understand why they're doing. The whole angle with Little Bow Wow, you know, it brings more eyes to the product, but I'm getting nothing out of it. I don't see the payoff unless they do some kind of like mixed tag match. Um, I don't know why Jade is constantly feuding with her entourage. (laughs) Just feels weird to me. Um, I felt like the celebration was fucking weak. Like, you know, they had like uh, some balloons from Party City and a fucking carrot like cake uh, in the, on the table that was i was like this looks really sparse tony come on now uh but that's more production shit uh you know uh but yeah now th- this was a nothing segment i'm hoping that you know they've got something better in store for jade um like actually have a a top contender for that belt you know for her to feud with um instead of the fucking looney tunes bullshit that they had her doing, you know, last, you know, month with, you know, Naya. Um, mm. you know, her just chasing after her. Um, it just I don't know, man. Let's move on.
2: Well, up next we had the main event with the Elite defeating Death Triangle in their what, third match out of the seven? Yes. Yes,
1: they are now down 2 to 1 right yes. now. Um yeah, I mean, I love that they've been able to make each one of these matches feel different. I like that they started off by jumping Death Triangle on the ramp. Um, this was definitely more of a hard-hitting match than we got last week. I mean, last week's match's story was just, you know, them trying to troll the Chicago audience, um, which I don't know how you felt about it, but it just felt a little weird to me. Um, you know, I understand why they were in it, and I—, I And trust me, I was popping, you know, the entire time, but like, I was a little concerned that this was going to be an ongoing thing. So I'm glad like, you know, this week they totally toned that down and it didn't happen again. Um, Because like, if CM Punk is not going to be part of AEW going, you know, forward, then why even draw attention to him? Exactly. You know, because then you're making him the story, not, you know your opponents in the match you're having so um but you know if it's just a one-off thing then fine um but yeah no the match itself i thought was great we've got this ongoing story you know with you know ray and uh penta um it just feels like you know this battle for you know almost like penta's soul or the soul of death triangle if you will um, which does feel a little weird since Ray was the one who initially, you know, cheated <laughs> to win the match. Uh, but I guess he was just desperate, and now he he's kind of seen the light, and he's trying to backtrack, and he doesn't want that for the team. Um, and that's kind of what cost them, you know, this match. Uh, I'm wondering, you know, do you think Death Triangle is going to be a group after this best of
2: seven series? Or do you see them, you know, moving on? I could see at least a break after this. You know, I could see um, maybe Penta and Pac still working together. But Ray's definitely going to be splitting off from the group. I feel like they've teased us so much, though,
1: right? Like, this ah. group has been
2: together for a long fucking time. It's been
1: over two years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess it's been so on and off because of, you know, Pac, um, you know, travel situation and everything during the pandemic. Um, but- man, I mean, if they're going to break up, then just do it (laughs) already. I love them together as a group, but it definitely feels like that's the road they're headed down. And you've got a lot of trios that, you know, the Bucks can go up against. And that's just assuming Mm -hmm. that the Bucks are going to end up walking away with the titles. And I could also see a curveball, you know, being thrown here where, you know, maybe they use this as a catalyst for the Bucks and, you know, Kenny to move on. Um, But I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like what's going to happen is the Bucks and you know Kenny are going to end up winning, and like basically just get jumped right away by like Adam Cole um, and uh, the Kingdom, or or even uh, you know or even House of Black. Um, so, but like part of me is like half wondering whether or not like Adam Cole is almost cleared, and that's why they decided to do this like best of seven series to kind of stall Hmm. until, like, he's officially, like, ready to go. Um, But that's also not how concussions work, so... (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, you know, maybe they felt like, okay, well, he's good to go, but we want to give him a couple weeks or something like that, and they're kind of stalling. Because you gotta kind of figure that that's going to be a storyline that they're gonna want to revisit as soon as possible once Cole gets back. You know, especially with, like, cole and the undisputed era like you know jumping the elite um you know the last time we saw them so um yeah i mean it it might be just wishful thinking on my part but i mean he's been out for a long time so it's a little scary
2: i definitely hope that he does return it's not like something that it's gonna take another three to six months but i mean it's been since forbidden door yes
1: so i mean what was that the beginning of the summer um. That be f- yeah, that's that would have been June. That would have been June. Yeah, okay, either May or June. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hopefully he's doing well. That's what's most important. So, um, but yeah, no, this was a great match. Um, I mean, I can't wait to see what they're going to do next. And I know they have something up their sleeve, but I mean, it it's going to take a lot to keep the audience invested in, you know, mm. this series of matches, uh, especially since I'm pretty much certain that it's going to go seven. Um, so to keep these matches like feeling fresh every week um it's gonna take a lot but i mean we know that you know death triangle and the elite can you know pull it off so
2: i'm kind of already over carry on my wayward son
1: yeah i'm ready at at this point i'm ready for them to go back (laughs) you know Uh to the elite song or even just uh super kick party like or or their own separate songs honestly
2: um like it's cool but eh, i don't know if it works as a wrestling intro every time (laughs) yeah and i don't think it's really like
1: taking off with the crowd either the way Uh that they thought it was going to so as like a reintroduction it's fine but i don't know i I agree like i'm ready to hear super kick party again you know and kenny's song for that matter you could do the separate entrances that's totally cool with me Uh
2: i want the list of accomplishments back
1: yes that was that
2: was more fun yes (laughs) i agree no i agree
1: by the way, we're desperately out of time. Uh, you know, Join us next week as we break down the latest episode of AEW Dynamite. Well, that does it for this week. That's right, and as a friendly reminder, if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, remember to subscribe, rate, and
2: give us a five-star review. Exactly. It sure does help an independent podcast like ours continue to grow. And while you're at it, make sure to tell a friend. Plus, if you like any of the stories we talked about on this
1: week's episode, Make sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to catch the full articles, trailers, memes, and more.
2: That's right, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show on all social media platforms. And hey, if you're looking for extra content, make sure to catch our streams every weekend on Twitch, plus YouTube videos Monday through Friday. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some Amazing Nerd Show merch.
1: We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. Want to support the show further? You can head over to tpublic.com and get yourself some amazing nerd show merch. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional nerd swag if you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join
2: us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show.
0: Nice knife. Can I play autopsy with it?